This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 42 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk with trainer Allison Cavey about managing senior horses. In Tigopedia, we answer the question about electrolytes versus salt. Tigger shares her favorite summer products for horses and dogs. And in Coffee Clatch, we share tips on choosing the right trainer for your horse. don't know this Jen but remember when we did the Lizzie Meyer um, interview about you know how to deal with poisonous- oh this is so funny not yeah. funny but interesting <laughs> so you're not going to believe this yeah when we finished recording Peter walks in and he said uh, we have a copperhead outside ah. the door ah. <laughs> yeah and I just so you know he he'd gotten all the dogs in and and then he captured it and he took it for a long drive and let it loose in another part of the county. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really synchronistic. So what did I do? I jumped online and ordered those homeopathics. Oh, I bet you did. I bet you did. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm very mindful now when I walk around. Well, it's so funny. I um, and I'm sure I said it that day, but you know, ever since my friend was teasing me about scorpions being in your boots. Now she lives in San Antonio, and of course that's where Lizzie is. Well, they, there's no scorpions in Houston. It's it's um, it's it's just a, it's it's a it's more humid um, from what I'm told, and it's much drier in San Antonio. So I'm always checking my boots. And after that show, I um I I have my boots lined up in my tack room, and um, I check them every day, even with the foot thing. And I'm like tapping them. And every time I think of you, Tigger, because I'm just like, if she could see me, she would be so making fun of me. Yep. Wow. Yeah, but you just, well, you know, and one of the things in San Antonio, because once you see a scorpion, I am telling you, it's just, you know, if you're from the East Coast, that's just not something you see. Yeah, and you really think about them in a much different way. And they're, you know, and obviously Lizzie did not have a very good experience, but for the most part, they're not normally as bad as they would be, San Arizona or whatever. But, um, you know, they, one of the biggest issues is, um, when they get into the house, they'll get underneath like the toilet paper. So like, you know how, whether you put the, the, the roll up or roll down. Okay. Um, I, I fling it. I look at it. I have like, you know, I, I have thank, thank the Lord. I have a, you know, a flashlight on my phone because wherever I go, I'm like flashing stuff around. Yeah. It, no, it's, I don't it's think I could live in San Antonio. Well, it, it, Tigger, in all the years that I have been going there to do clinics, never had I thought of a scorpion until six months ago. And then all of a sudden I started seeing him like crazy. <laughs> like one walking across the driveway. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. cool area, but I don't like that part at all. No, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 I haven't found any of so. those in Florida yet. Thank you very much. I don't think I just it's just probably have, too too tropical, don't you think? I don't they think like they're desert. there. I don't never have heard of them ever in all of my years in living in Florida. Have I ever heard of scorpions there? Some other I think it's truly alien looking yes. creatures, but none of those. Well, yeah. and you have some pretty dangerous creatures like alligators and and palmetto are bugs. only dangerous if you go over and try to touch their nose. Uh, not if you're a dog. Yeah. Well, for a dog, if Got you go swimming in the way pond, too many. that's not good. Yeah. Well, and I have people that have, um, a friend of mine that used to work um, at Marianne McPhail's place was walking. Oh her my dog. God! They have a. She has a gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have seen it. Yes, it's, it's huge. Huge. It's huge. It's huge. But I think it's um, huge it, and old. That. It, well, that thing has been there forever, and they forever. were feeding it for years. But but she was oh, walking God. out. What in would the possess grass. you to feed an alligator? I don't remember. Um, there's story. Uh, there's stories that uh, Carol Lavelle used to feed it because all of those canals inter interconnect yeah, yeah. and whatever. And I have no idea. I mean, that, there was always the stories. But anyway, um, she was walking out, walking her dog at night, and she kicked something that hissed at her, and it was a baby alligator walking across the very large yard. Oh my god! Um, yeah. <laughs> And I, I say nay, nay. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, uh-uh. You know, um, right near Marianne McPhail is uh, Shelley Francis's. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a lot of rain, and so the water got really high in the canals, and there were alligators all over. And one tried to climb their chain-link fence protecting their dogs from the canal. I mean, climbing it. Oh, my gosh. Forget it. I don't think he, I doubt he was successful. They're not a very flexible beast. But she got her dogs in. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, they're big. Yeah, Yeah, they're big. The neighborhood we live in here in Ocala, when it was originally built, had two enormous ponds, each one several acres in size. And they were able to sell lots of lots with, they called it a lake, lakefront property. <laughs> oh, God. But what they didn't tell everybody is the lakes were completely man-made. And the only reason they had water in them is because they had pumps pumping water into them. <laughs> oh, and when my they gosh. sold all the properties, they turned the pumps off. <laughs> what? Oh, no. So now they're just big dents with trees in them. Oh, I'm okay gosh. with that because if they were still lakes, we'd have alligators in the neighborhood, and we, so we don't. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Oh, funny! It was hilarious. Yeah, buy this lakefront property and pay an extra, you know, twenty five yeah. grand for it because it's lakefront. And oh, by the way, we're gonna we're gonna turn the water drain off. it. <laughs> There's no water in them. Hasn't been in twenty years. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, moving on from from the um, less than desirable creatures. Um, We've got a great show coming up, so let's get going. All righty. All righty. And we're here with Allison Cavey, who manages several senior horses that are still in competition and in training. And Allison is herself a... USDF bronze, silver, and gold medalist. 
she's also the servant of the famous Hedwig the Pomeranian. So I'm very pleased to welcome Allison. Well, welcome to Healthy Critters, Allison. Hi, Allison. Very much, Tigger and Patty. So tell us about the older horses you have and, and some of your um, approaches and, and guidelines and tips to maintaining older horses in competition. Well, we have quite a few who are referred to as the over 15. Um, and the eldest of those is Kibai Jem, who is Andrea Wunder's Lusitano Stallion, and he's currently competing at the Grand Prix. Um, and I think when you look at Kibai, you do not see a 21-year-old. You see about a 14-year-old. He's physically very fit, and he has held up exceptionally well. He's a good example of how Confirmation really does dictate longevity. He has mm. very good legs. He's got a very strong back. He's just put together well. And he's been a hard worker his whole life. And he's still working hard at seemingly enjoying it very, very much. So with him, the maintenance that I do is primarily nutritional. Um, obviously, there's some veterinary work, but that is much less than it has been on some other horses because he's just built so well. He's really meant to do this sport and he loves this sport. Mm. Um, with him, and I, I think the big question for anyone competing horses at this level, regardless of age, is how do you find the moment when the horse is really ready not to do this anymore? And you have to listen mm -hmm. to the horses pretty carefully. And I, I just had the really hard decision to retire another really wonderful horse, an older horse who at 18 just was not able to keep going. She was suffering from multiple um, long-term injuries. And each time she came back, but she came back less well and with less confidence. And so her joy in the, in the sport was less than it had been. She was an anxious horse. She was tough on herself. And I had to make the tough decision and, partnership with her owners to say I think it's time for her to retire now and that transition was actually much easier for her than I thought it would, would be she uh, she was ready to stop so we just she's been out of work now about a month and we just removed her hind shoes and no ill effects and in terms of what it means to be retired here she gets her legs iced every day She's turned out only as long as she wants to be. And as soon as she comes in, she gets a full grooming. On days that she's energetic and wants to go out for a walk, I get on and we go for a walk for 30 minutes or so. And she comes in and she has uh, her bath with Metrolin. And then now she has a stall guard on her stall so she can eat her food in the aisle. <laughs> and anybody else who has to sleep up after her. So those are the two. Um, the polar opposite, one who by all rights should want to retire and really doesn't want to. And the other one who, in terms of age, you might say, well, she's only 18. Couldn't she keep going at a lower level? But she really didn't want to keep going at all. So what do you do? I mean, when you've got, you know, 15-year-olds on up and, of course, some younger horses, but how do you maintain them once they, you know, hit? 15 what what are some of the things that you do I mean do you do anything differently do you do they get more body work do they is their diet changed 
Well, I'll take your first question first. In terms of body work, every horse in my program who is working from three years old on up, she's a PT once a week. Uh, her name's Andrea, and she's a German trained physical therapist who I just had the great fortune to meet. She wanted riding lessons, and that was, oh, eight, nine years ago now. And uh, thank God she still wants riding lessons because she comes and works on all of my horses and keeps them in good balance. We have a great working relationship and we're able to communicate uh, in terms of how best to strengthen weak parts and then maintain strength. So for example, Keba has some weakness on his right side from old injuries when he was uh, probably about 11 or 12 at his right hip. There was originally nerve damage there. We work really hard to keep his right side as strong as his left side. Because if we don't, he's going to wind up with compensatory injuries on the left. Mm -hmm. Right. So Andrea is absolutely integral to my program. And I owe her a great deal of things because without her, I would not be able to keep going like this. My horses love her. Um, they also see a chiropractor every six weeks and he's just terrific. Um, name is Dr. Skinner. He comes from Virginia. He comes and works on the horses and he's also pretty integral to the program. He works with Andrea or talks to Andrea about what he's finding. He talks to me about what he's finding. He'll watch a horse for me if I need him to look at what's going on or if I'm failing to describe something accurately that I'm feeling. And I compared Joe's work to um, a mountain climber. He comes and he puts the hammer in and he taps that little uh, metal device. And he gives me a handhold on that mountain. And then I spend the next six weeks hauling me and the horse into a little bit more straightness. And then he comes back and he taps in a little bit more. So he keeps giving me more access to the horses. And then their health improves because they work, you know, more straightly, which is a ridiculous way to say that. But anyway, they are more straight. <laughs> Sounds like and, a word to me. <laughs> yes. They're more straight and they stay fitter and, and stronger because of his work. Mm. And then the final really important piece for me is massage. Um, Tigger, I know, has spoken with, with JP and he's instrumental to my horse's success as well. He comes um, usually every four or five weeks in Florida. I'm lucky I can get him a little bit more often for the horses who are working hard. And he works with Andrea as well and with me and you know he picks up something if I say gee this one doesn't feel quite right on that left kind he'll find it and say oh this is why mm -hmm. so it helps if you know he's the canary in the coal mine he and I yeah. are the ones telling me what to watch out for hey don't push that let him alone for a little while so this is a good month for them to do a little bit more stretching and hacking or yeah, he feels super. Go ahead, take him out and, and push the work a little bit more. So I try to listen very closely to what they're telling me because it's pretty easy if you're the trainer to get lost in the work and not pay attention to your horse. You really have to listen to the horses. And so I consider those three people my horses, folks, people. And I have mm -hmm. to listen to them because if I don't, I'm making a big mistake. What do you do nutritionally? That was, um, my, that was well, my question. Well, you ought to know, I guess. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so depending on the horses, the older horses tend to eat a senior feed, um, which is digestible uh, for those who don't have great teeth. And 
although Kiba has remarkably snowy feet. Uh, the pony that Andy rides, Sunny, is uh, 16 this year. He was born with a pair of mouths. He's a thoroughbred Welsh cross, and you know that just never goes well by the yeah. time. I think he's actually 17. Anyway, um, and so he really does need that little bit of um, more digestible food. He's only getting a handful of it, so what can I tell you? Um, <laughs> I also use a lot of alfalfa pellet or cubes. Kebai will not eat anything wet. He's quite fussy about it. Mm. So he has to have a pellet, not the wet cube, because uh, he won't eat it. But um, Amidala really likes both wet and dry cubes. She likes to play with them and drop them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> her large quantities of them so as to entertain her while she's standing in her stall. Uh, some of them are really easy keepers. Marseillez is 16 this year. She had a hind suspensory injury in Florida, and she's still recovering from that injury, so she's not working at all. She's only getting um, the alfalfa, a handful of alfalfa pellets. And then all of these horses, every horse I've mentioned is on Chia, one cup twice a day to support connective tissue and uh, provide more protein. Everybody is on Optimum, JS. Uh, to support their joints and their overall health. And I use Optimum JS on the younger working horses as well. I think it's very important. In fact, I think every horse on the barn is now on Optimum and GS. For the horses with injuries or a tendency to soft tissue injuries, we attend as well. Um, my vets are pretty convinced that it's why Amidala came back from her penultimate checklist injury as well as she did and as quickly as she did. And we are feeding it to Marseille's waiting now another month before we can do an ultrasound. But I have to say the legs feel super uh, cold mm -hmm. or nothing uh, on palpation. There's nothing you can feel anymore. So hopefully wow. come back mm -hmm. to work. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's only been, well, only it's been, <laughs> been five months. But yeah, that's a six to nine month recovery. So if at five months no one can feel anything, it's a pretty good uh, marker. So anyway, to to sort of abbreviate. Um, I use a lot of Biostar products to support them nutritionally. And then for the horses who are working at very high levels, DMG is uh, pretty instrumental. I feed coenzyme Q10. And um, I know Tigger's working on a new product with that. You know? Yeah. And, um, oh, uh, Equithrive, the joint supplement. Mm. So. Patty, you know, it's, it's so interesting because, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, Allison, but I knew Kaba. I did a um, thing with his former owner years and years ago. Um, so I've known him for a long time and I'm just so thrilled to hear that he's still doing so well. Um, and, you know, having Spanish horses um, and having a little bit of knowledge about them. It's so interesting because it, they are built to keep going. They, and a lot of these, them don't have the confirmation that they should. And it was neat that you said that he, you know, he just has a confirmation to keep going. Um, you know, and I, and he has, he has the thing that's so cool about that horse is that he has been working his most of his life. And to know that he's doing this, how old is he now? He'll be 22 in October. I mean, that's just amazing. And you're doing <laughs> the Grand Prix. I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously, it's just, um, it's a fascinating. And I learned very early on, um, that doing, a whole food diet and cutting out sugar was 
a big, big thing with older horses. Um, and I think it sounds like he's uh, a good living testimony to that, but also the whole thing with the Chia, which is such a good thing. Yes. I really swear by Chia. If only I could make myself eat it, I would probably be really healthy, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but they love it. And it's also really good, as I'm sure you know, for sand pollen because yeah. it um, yeah. leaves out the intestinal tract. So when, when we're in Florida or if you're living in a place with sand as your soil, it's such a healthy thing for the horses. And they're all of that poop quality, coat quality. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you Amidala didn't have injuries with me. She did, but she recovered from them pretty well. And I'm hoping Wonderful. she have a pretty good retirement uh, here. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Cool. Uh, that's but neat. the cool thing, just to go back to the confirmation point, which I think you can reinforce, is we just had a breed show here. And there were no stallions. And, you know, Kiba had to come out and strut his stuff a little bit. And the judge on the second day very nearly named him in the championship. He said, this horse is just built so well. I That's don't so nice. know what to tell you. He said, I wouldn't believe he was 21. He's mm -hmm. an unbelievable horse on the line. He's built like a rock. Just keep having a great time with him until he oh, tells you awesome. no. So that, uh, that was, he's a vet, that judge. So I felt pretty encouraged at that point. Well, that's what it's all about, you know? And yeah. let me just say that k at 21 still has a tood. So, I mean, he, he'll try to run off with Allison. He'll buck. He'll kick out. I mean, he's got a lot of fire in him. And and I don't mean bad fire, but there's a lot of life in that horse. That's yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> right now, you know, it's the sort of July stallion hormones. And he is just full of himself. Just getting him out to the paddock right now is quite an adventure. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. There's a lot of, bah, knock it off. I mean it. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stop it, man. Dude, that's enough. Oh, that's so good. Does he Does he have any um, offspring? He does. He has a couple of, uh, well, they're not old anymore, in Brazil from live cover. And then he has frozen, I think he has two here as well. And then he has some frozen straws, but there's some struggle over who owns those right now. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I, well, you know, Bettina cool. has been really encouraging and said, well, just hang in there. We'll find the right mare for him. And I, I mean, obviously, what she knows about Lusitano breeding, I will never learn. Yes. <laughs> and so I'd rather just have her uh, make those decisions a little bit on my behalf because. I study the warm blood lines, but I feel pretty confident, you know, breeding Oldenburg, but I do not feel sure. confident with um, And yeah. he, well, they say he's not a good Lusitano. He's compared to his brother, he probably knew as well, Macho. Yeah. He's not Lusitano-y enough. And I don't need to be disrespectful, but I find him more fun to ride. Because mm -hmm. um, I've ridden Macho as well. And Macho has, trust me, extraordinary skills. But he has a very different mind, and from what I understand, his mind is a little bit more normal for the Lusitano. So, I, you know, I think Bettina has a, a strong sense of um, why I like Ba, and she said, you know, you won't, you might not find the right thing for him. And right. it may be he's just the horse of my lifetime, and that breeding him yeah. will only produce another. I'm sure it would be a lovely horse. I just don't know that I'm the right person for that horse. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Okay, well, if if you're, do you have a website, Allison? If somebody's interested in 
getting some some help with uh, managing a senior horse? I do. Um, it's www.rivendelldressage.com or Rivendell Dressage on Facebook. And I have to just take a second to encourage people not to give up on their older horses. I got Kiba in my life when he was 18. Ingrid had died and Bettina was sick. And he had picked me out. He decided that he would teach the monkey how to ride. <laughs> but it, that's I just love that that's but it's so cool it's such it's, a great it, story it's such a great story oh, okay <laughs> Allison um thanks for coming on and um we'll talk to you soon all right thank you so much <laughs> Hetty. Hedwig. Yeah, Jennifer today. Hello, Hetty. Hello, Jennifer. It's always so nice to speak with you. Oh, I love to speak with you, Hedwig. It's it's well and truly into summer here in the United States, and I thought you could help us out. If no you doubt mind. Because you're a giver, <laughs> Hetty. Yes. She yeah. is a giver. She is a giver. I, I, of I've much. heard that. Yes, of a lot. She gives a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only mm-hmm. thing she won't give is cheese. She will not That's give a good you, point. No, not yeah. give I'm any cheese. from my <laughs> That's right. Well, this, this is what I was wondering. Um, spurred on by some Facebook posts I've seen from friends. Lots and lots of families all over the country invite and welcome into their homes a new four-legged furry friend oft times from a shelter. And sometimes that transition gets a little tricky. So I was wondering if you had any advice for those shelter dogs. I'm not going to ask about kitties because that would be a bad idea. But for those mm. shelter dogs, how, what could, could he or she do or not do to help ease that transition and get those humans off on the right foot? Well. I mean, the first night that you get to spend in a, a home instead of a cage, it's a really good night for most dogs. I was a flaming nutbag, but most dogs, <laughs> I bark every time my human moves or my sister moves, and I had to touch my sister all the time. So I didn't really settle in for the first few weeks. In fact, I had to go to a hotel to understand that everything was going to be okay. But presuming that most dogs are slightly more tightly tethered to sanity than I was at the time. Tightly tethered to sanity. (laughs) I would recommend that you have your own nice things, like toys. If you like toys, maybe you don't like toys, but some dogs like toys. Or a blanket or a bed that is yours. And you have it wherever you go. So if you're in the living room, you have your nice thing. If you're in the bedroom, you have your nice thing. And this is a comfort. And it could maybe have a blanket or something that you had in the car on your way home from the shelf. Because that's your smell. And you'll know about it. Oh, this I is good advice. Really know. good advice. Okay shelter dogs to a groomer right away that's just mean and sick and revolting don't do it 
give your dog a little time to settle in before you take the dog to Gitmo. <laughs> okay. To Gitmo? Yes, it's over. Gitmo, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then if you're scared, you require that your children have something like rescue remedy. Ah. Because it will help with some anxiety. And another big help is a vitamin complex called Minfran. It has magnesium and B6 and B12 and B14. And if you're having trouble sleeping, it will help you sleep, but it is not a sedative and it's very calming. So that's what I would recommend. And then my human, who should shut up, but she won't shut up. So I'm going <laughs> to this one thing because it might be helpful for someone. My human says it's important to have a schedule. <laughs> you should always eat around the same time. And that that's, that's good advice. That you can get used to and count on because some shelter dogs have been starved and they need to know oh. that they will be fed at the right time so that they cannot be nervous about that. It's good advice. Very good advice. Your your human's pretty smart. <laughs> yes. no, it's not. Not kid yourself. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Your human gave one tiny, very <laughs> minuscule piece of advice that may be handy. Is that better? Yes, that's appropriate. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good advice, Hetty. Thank you very much. Yes, I hope that people will bring home many pets for their summer because pets hate shelters. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. That's oh, universal. You are right. That is universal. Yep. Yes. Our friend Ben just adopted a new dog and we're so proud of him. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hetty. Well, stay cool and um, eat some cheese. Okay, some thank cheese. you, too. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye, Hattie. So we are at the Tigapedia uh, portion of our show, which is my favorite, and I know it's Tigger's favorite because she loves when I ask her questions because <laughs> it's not like she doesn't do this all day long. So exactly. Tigger, um, you know, we're obviously in the throes of the summer and we always, I always like to try to come up with things that, um, that maybe some of our listeners, um, you know, have questions about. And a big question is um, electrolytes versus salt. And I'm going to say, um, we're going to first talk about sea salt, the difference between who would do, and there's been actually some recent articles that have been flooding around Facebook, um, some good ones, I think, as well. Um, but what is your take on the differences between using electrolytes versus sea salt or Himalayan salt? Okay, well, first, I, I want to separate the difference between table salt and mm -hmm. sea salt. Okay. So table salt is... Um, salt that is taken from the ground it is bleached to make it white it contains two of the four electrolytes it contains sodium and chloride that that's why it's called sodium chloride right sea salt comes from the ocean now it also can come in the case of himalayan 
from an old seabed, you know, millions of years old that dried up. Um, I personally really like uh, Celtic sea salt. It's it's from um, areas like the North Sea, um, Normandy, and the salt is collected. The seawater is collected in a way that they have been collecting salt for 500 years, which is the when the tide rises, it floods into these pools, and then they shut. They keep the, when the tide recedes, the water is trapped in these pools. And through evaporation, the salt remains. And then they they literally rake up the salt mm. and then they sun dry it. That's it. That's the extent yep. of the processing. Now, what makes sea salt, in my opinion, better than table salt is that seawater contains magnesium, potassium, chloride, sodium, and 72 other trace minerals. So you're not just getting electrolytes. Right. You are getting electrolytes and all the trace minerals. That, for me, is what makes it a much better source of, of salt. Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer, really. Yeah. Now, electrolytes are similar to table salt. They are sodium and chloride. Some companies add magnesium. Some companies add potassium. But they're all in their ground-up earth uh, form. So they're in a non-organic form, which means their bioavailability is pretty low. It's like... Oxides and carbonates, when we look at, you know, calcium and magnesium, for example, that's just ground up limestone. Doesn't mean that it's not effective, but it's, it's a, it's not as bioavailable as sea, as sea salt, because sea salt is exactly at the same pH as the horse's blood. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. It is. Now, there are electrolyte formulas that have other things added that may be a benefit to a specific horse. But really, if you want electrolytes, sea salt, in my opinion, particularly Celtic sea salt, is absolutely the best source of electrolytes there is. So, so Celtic sea salt, okay, instead of Himalayan? Well, I like Himalayan as a as a support. So, um, you know, Himalayan salt blocks. I think that's a nice support. But you know, you have to give a fair amount. Horses need a fair amount of sodium, and one of the best ways to give it is with Celtic sea salt. And then you provide not only sodium but all the electrolytes and the trace minerals. Okay. So you're sort of you know killing two birds with one stone. Right. So, um, so if, if someone was interested in going to Celtic sea salt Mm -hmm. rather than, than Himalayan sea salt, um, Uh, Himalayan salt, excuse me, old seabed, you know, it's not an active seabed in the Himalayas anymore. Okay. Okay. 
Um, but so how would how would somebody buy that? How would how would somebody? So do you that can now? go online. There's several sources for bulk Celtic sea salt, mm-hmm. and some of it is white and some of it is gray. I personally use the gray because that's really the color of seawater. Okay. You know? Um, but, but, you know, whichever, there's lots of different Celtic sea salts and I just buy it in bulk and I feed one to two tablespoons a day, depending on the heat and humidity. Okay. So, um, and, and, and so you can just go online and order that. Yes. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And so, um, uh, and so would you also support, horses with the Himalayan salt block mm-hmm. as long as you're doing the, the Celtic. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I think that was really incredibly helpful because I know I've had a lot of people ask me. Um, I did not know that. I mean, I haven't, I don't use table salt um, for that, but um, that was really interesting to find out all the stuff about um, what Himalayan salt and Celtic sea salt can do. So sea tigger, once again, who's not enjoyed this. <laughs> wonderful and now we're at critter nutrition and um in this segment i'm going to talk about my favorite summer products for horses and dogs you know we all know that summer is the time of flies and ticks and fleas and heat and keeping the dogs and horses comfortable despite it all and, and I confess that I can be lured by a good marketing ad or article, and of course, a personal product recommendation from a friend carries a lot of weight. Sometimes it boils down to my own curiosity. I want to see how the product works. Here are the products I've been using this summer with great success. For flies and other insects, in May, I put the horses on Springtime Inc.'s Bug Off Garlic for Horses. Although I use fly predators every year, none of my neighbors do, which reduces the effectiveness. So I also hang those icky fly strips and last year hung citronella strips as well. I had no expectations for the garlic. It couldn't hurt. And if it helped, great. I'm pleased to report that the garlic has been amazing. The stalls are virtually fly free and that's saying something because next to the barn is one of our organic vegetable gardens, a magnet for flying critters. In the first two or three weeks of giving the horses the garlic in their feed, the stalls and the horses did smell like an Italian restaurant, but that dissipated. One of the fascinating results is that there are fewer flies in the manure bin, and I have not had to resort to fly strips or fly traps. Every year, I try various fly sprays to put on the horses before they're turned out at night. Some of the most effective are also what I consider to be the most toxic. But this year, I discovered Equiderma neem and aloe herbal horse spray it is formulated with essential oils and organic neem tea neem has a long recorded history in ayurvedic medicine dating back almost 5,000 years research has shown that neem products work by intervening in several stages of an insect's life the resulting disruptions leave the insects unable to reproduce and their populations plummet When I bring the horses in at breakfast time, there are no insects buzzing around them, annoying them, or biting them. On just the garlic alone, the horses were still being annoyed by some gnats in turnout. But with Equiderma, even if I'm late to the barn, they aren't swishing their tails and begging to come in from the biting insects. The tried and true products. 
the horse hydrator helps my horses drink more water. And when I first tried it last year, I was thunderstruck at the difference. The farm is on well water, which is tested every two years, has a high copper and zinc content, and to my human taste buds is delicious. But when I added the horse hydrator filter to the hose and watered the horses, several of them drank 50% more and others 30% more. In the summer, I will never be without a horse hydrator. For horses that show and compete, this is a must-have product to keep your horses well hydrated at competitions. Biostar's Theracom EQ. I have a couple of older horses who get stressed in hot weather. I worry about them because they just stand in front of their fans and they don't eat much until the temperature starts to cool in the evening and they go out. Last summer, I was testing our Theracom anti-stress formula and added it to these horses' morning feeds. Within two days, they were eating hay even in the hottest part of the afternoon and their eyes were soft again. I only give them Theracom when temps climb into the 90s or the humidity is so high it's like living in a sauna. What I love about Theracom is that it can be used as needed and it goes to work amazingly fast. Warhorse Pure Gold All-Purpose Cleaning Soap is the best, most effective, non-toxic, all-purpose cleaner for home and barn. The very fact that I can clean buckets and not fret about what chemicals I'm spilling into the earth is immensely important to me. And it cleans everything so well, including feed and water buckets, horse troughs, farm machinery, trucks, cars, my hardwood floors. You can even use it for laundry detergent. I add Guinness beer to the horse's feeds on really hot days. Although a lot of people feed Guinness to help horses sweat, I find it helps perk up the retired horses on hot, sweltering days. The famous racehorse Tappet got Guinness and three eggs with his feed when he was racing, and the great... Race mare Zenyatta got Guinness beer after her morning gallops. Biostar's Cool Star EQ is a blend of Ayurvedic foods to help cool the GI tract and the body system at large. It provides some vegetables and fruits and Hawaiian black lava salt, which contains charcoal, which is an important detoxifier. Some horses' GI tracts can get a little unsettled in hot weather, and Cool Star helps to keep the poop normal and the body cool. For the dogs, this year I decided to try the Israeli-made Avara Flea and Tick Control Collar. The, <coughs> the collar is a blend of botanicals. It does have polyethylene in it, so it's not 100% botanical. But it is a far cry from the toxic topicals we've all used at one time or another. When you first put the collar on, the scent is strong for a few days. That being said, it has worked surprisingly well on my Aussies. I think I've pulled off a total of two ticks this summer and zero fleas. However, the company does say that the collar will last for five months, and I only got three months before I had to buy new collars. This is probably due to the fact that my dogs spend a lot of time in the pond and creek. I am really happy with these collars, and my dogs are too. I purchased two silicone paw print ice trays from the animal rescue site so I could make some cooling treats for the dogs. The paws on the trays are a little small. My Aussies can eat the frozen treats in one crunch and a swallow. But for the smaller dogs, these trays are great for making healthy frozen treats. Amazon has larger animal paw print ice cube trays made of silicone, which I have since ordered. The recipe for the frozen treats is easy. One cup coconut oil blended with one cup of organic peanut butter. Pour into the molds and freeze. You can also freeze bone broth in the paw molds, which makes a nice, cooling, healthy treat. Since the silicone is so flexible and soft, which makes them difficult to carry to the freezer without spilling, I put ice 
cube trays on flat trays for easy transport to the freezer. Tried and true products for the dogs. Lassi, a traditional yogurt drink from India, is one of the best cooling foods for dogs and humans. It is made from fresh yogurt and then blended with water. This dilution makes it more digestible while still providing high levels of active probiotics. You can mix it with your dog's food or give it as a treat. My dogs lick it off a spoon. Lassi is available at many health food grocery stores. Buckaroo's Cooling Stew from Biostar, formulated according to Ayurvedic principles of warming, cooling, neutral foods. Buckaroo's Cooling Stew provides specific foods for cooling the GI tract and the body system at large. The ingredients are real food that is dehydrated. I add a scoop to each dog's food with water, then mix and serve. This saves me a whole lot of time it takes to prepare, chop, specific cooling vegetables and fruits. In truth, I originally created Buckaroo's Cooling Stew just for my own dogs and the time-saving it provides. Please let me know what products you have tried and love for your horses and dogs. I am always eager for a new product adventure. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And we've now arrived at Coffee Clatch, and we're going to share some of our tips on choosing the right trainer for you and your horse. And the reason that this topic has come up is that I've had a couple of customers um, call me in consultation and tell me some pretty shocking stories about um, training situations that their horses were in. And by that, I mean, when they were telling me the stories, um, there were some red flags as they were telling me. And I thought, I wonder why they didn't see that. And, And one of them, the first one was the, and this was in the Western, uh, this is training. I don't know if it was Western pleasure or, or raining or what, but, it was a very prominent Western trainer, and he only allowed owners to come visit their horses on uh, two specific days a month. Yeah, that's a red flag right there. Yeah. yeah. Big one. Big, Big red flag. Big. Huge. Big. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was one. And then there was uh, another trainer, um, and... And this person was in uh, training uh, 
uh, Arabians and for Arabian shows and and the the policy was that you were not allowed to change, question, alter, add anything to their feed program. <laughs> you couldn't add <laughs> your own supplements. Yeah. You couldn't say, no, I prefer to feed my horse something different. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big one. That's a, hot button. that's a hot button issue for yeah. me right there. Yeah. Well, you know, the hard thing about that and, and being a trainer and making my living doing this and paying bills doing this right. and whatever. I mean, there's a, it, it's such a difficult um, situation for both the trainers and, and clients because sometimes 100%. you have those people. Yeah. Because sometimes you have those people that push the envelope and they don't mm-hmm. know where the boundaries are. But, you know, the biggest thing is is that I think, as I jumped right into this, sorry, I just took the stage, it's because this is such a passionate thing for me because I like happy clients. I love happy clients because that's the whole reason that they come to you is to learn something that you have to offer. And there's different ways to do it in different styles and, you know, whatever. But it's ultimately, whether the horse is in my training program, whether it's in my tutelage, whatever, it is your horse. Yeah. And if you want to give your horse, you know, sparky, um, you know, and obviously my biggest thing always is, is being able to feed the whole foods program and being able to do stuff that way. But if, you know, if you have a different opinion and it's okay with the trainer, i.e. me, I mean, I will always say, this isn't what I agree with, but I am fine with these, these products that I will offer. It's still ultimately that person's horse, yeah. you know, and, and, and not being able to, you know, do that. It's, it's that's, that, I mean, that just is so upsetting to me because these people are paying you to train their animal, their yeah. pet, or their whatever, and you have to res- you have to respect that person's wishes and um, and formulate whether you, as a trainer, will accept what they want, and you know, as the client, accept what the trainer wants, and that's what kind of makes the thing the glove fit on the hand so well. I think one of the one of the problems can be in in choosing a trainer is that it's very easy to want to be with a trainer that, you know, has the the biggest barn and mm-hmm. shows a lot and is out there and very successful and but that you know there are trainers that are really good that maybe don't show, maybe mm-hmm. used to show. Mm-hmm. And where you are as an owner and a rider, you may get more attention and more help from somebody who isn't as prominent yeah for that stage that you and your horse are in because sometimes being at a really prominent barn while it, it provides you the opportunities to watch other riders and watch other horses go and it's a tremendous learning opportunity you may not get as much of the how, why, and explanations exactly as you would with a trainer that, you know, maybe doesn't want to show anymore, but has got a tremendous amount of experience and and teaching skills I and horsemanship a, skills. Yeah, and that's that's an awesome point, Tigger. And I think that anybody that's out there looking for a trainer, no matter what discipline they're in. Um, one of the recommendations I always have is walk into the feed room, see who's feeding your horse, find out like how much is the trainer involved in, you know, and 
again, I have had my own barns. Um, I've run my, I've run other people's barns. I'm actually in a situation now that's a little bit different than I've ever been in. Um, and it's actually works very well for me, but, um, where I don't employ the people that are feeding the horses, but I, I have, um, uh, I don't, what, what's the word? I, you know, I, I have the authority to, to say. Autonomy okay. might be the, what you're looking for. Yeah. To say, hey, guys, this is how I would like this done. This is because most of the, 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 all the horses there are horses that are in my training program. So there's a very, there's a camaraderie around why those people are there. And, um, you know, I think you walk into somebody's feed room, you're going to find out a lot about how things are run. If someone doesn't care about how the horses are being fed, um, that's a hot button issue for me because if you can't fuel the horse properly, it's not going to be able to do its job, whether it's you on the horse or the trainer. So that's a number one thing. But also, you know, go and, and talk to the, the people, you know, in the barn. And you have to respect the trainer's time, but go and talk to people in the barn. I mean, talk to others, talk to the clients, talk to the, see how the horses react, you know, watch some lessons, do, you know, and see if that fits for you. Because like you said, Tigger, there's a lot of trainers out there, um, that may not be showing for specific reasons, not even that they don't want to anymore. Maybe they don't have a horse or their horses, you know, or they're waiting for a horse or whatever. Um, there's a, I, I find that the larger you go, the less attention you get. Yeah. Um, which is the number one reason why you're paying somebody, <laughs> you know, you're trying to gain knowledge from, you know, that those circumstances. Jennifer, how about what are what's your two cents on this? Um, I agree with you on at, at the beginning when you talked about uh, the people that you talked to. That oh, hello, red flag. It has always been my philosophy that it's my horse. I'm paying you. I can come and watch watch you do what you do anytime I want, uh, within reason. You know, regular mm-hmm. business hours kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So any trainer that said, I'm sorry, you can't come and see what I do with your horse would just never get my business to begin with. Right. Even for a train, for someone who is searching for a trainer and they're not the rider, maybe they want to hire someone to train the horse and compete it for them. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what level that trainer is at, you need to have, the, it's just like a little kid. You have to have that relationship and you need to police that relationship that, that trainer has with your horse and you need to play to police the relationship it has with the rider so many riders get stuck in this rut of they go to the trainer um things start out great and then eventually they come to the realization that the trainer makes them feel bad about themselves Mm-hmm. In some somehow or another, whatever that relationship, and they right. stay there because they don't want to offend the trainer, mm-hmm. and they, they yep. make up all, the same excuses we make for staying in a bad relationship in it mm-hmm. in any other part of our life. No, there's it, there's no more valid reason to stay in that bad relationship as there is any other bad relationship in your life. Uh, just you have to step away and take care of that because after all, this is this is supposed to be fun stuff. Hello, if your trainer. Yeah makes you as a human being feel less of one, it's time to make a change regardless of how that happened. It might be that, and this oftentimes is the case, and that's what makes it hard, is the trainer that you're having this relationship with that makes you feel bad about yourself, it's not a case of the trainer is mean or bad or cruel. It's just not a good relationship. That trainer might be able to train Dozens, if not hundreds of other people 
and they don't have that feeling. They don't get done with their lesson and feel bad, or they right. don't dread going to their lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. It just means it's not the one for you. So mm-hmm. that's an excellent point. And really people point. evolve and change. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And um, and it doesn't mean that someone can't go leave for a little bit and then go back to a trainer. I mean, you don't know until you try. You don't know until right. you ask questions. And I think the biggest thing that I could advise anybody is if something makes you feel uncomfortable, there's a reason. Yep. There's a reason it's made. It doesn't mean yep. the trainer's doing anything bad or whatever because I, I know several people um, that um, – don't let people come and watch during some training sessions just for the fact that they can't be bogged down with the owners being there. And I understand that because I'm extraordinarily busy. I'm trying to get about anywhere from 10 to 12, sometimes 14 horses done in a day. And during the summer, the last thing I want to do is stand around and talk. I've got to keep going. Um, But I would never tell somebody, Hey, you can't come and watch your horse go, come watch it go. I'm just not gonna be able to talk to you today. Now, next week at this time, I can, you can watch me ride and then we can have time to talk or yes. we can, you know, whatever. Sure. You and, have to control that, that yeah, access yeah. because you are a professional and you're right. You can't sit around and have coffee clutch. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But I think the biggest thing to it, I would advise people, if something makes you feel uncomfortable, then there's a reason for it. It doesn't mean that you don't proceed. It doesn't mean that, you know, whatever, but it's something you have to discuss with somebody um, or the trainer or the barn manager or whatever, discuss, discuss, discuss. Don't be afraid that your feeling is wrong. Something, because sometimes people hear some something and they don't understand the context of it and they need to ask questions. And I think that's the biggest thing is someone is not, if a trainer is only willing to answer your questions when they first are trying to solicit your business and they won't do it afterwards, that's not good. Right. That's not good. Not and that good. doesn't mean they're being bad as to the horses. It just means that they're, they're really the bottom line for them is they wanted the business and they don't want the person that comes with it. Right. That's a very good point. But I, I, I would, I would like to, to say that I have ridden in many clinics that were closed. Yes. And, and there is a reason for that. And it's yes. not because the horses are being abused or mm-hmm. it's because A lot of times when you've got auditors, auditors have questions. Mm -hmm. Auditors want a little bit of attention from the clinician, especially in between horses, or they're talking amongst themselves, or, you know, it's kind of like the people who stand at the side of the ring at at a show, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're watching and they're making comments and that's fine. But, you know, when you're seriously training, um you just don't want an audience. No. It, it's you and the instructor and your horse. And um, so, you know, a closed clinic for me is is not a bad thing at all. In and, and, in and of itself, it's it's not a case of, oh, every just because the clinic's closed, something nefarious must be going on. Right. Not right. At all. right. But, exactly. you're, also, but no. you're also saying clinic, not day-to-day training. Clinic situations right. are, to me, completely different. Are different, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I was at Anki's, um, after... Explain you know, who Anki is for those who are not dressage riders. Uh, Anki van Grunsven, uh, double gold medalist go. in Olympics mm-hmm. in dressage. And um, 
you could sit and watch Anki and her husband, Chef, who is her coach. You could watch them, you know, work different horses all day long. But you could not interrupt them. Right. You could not talk to them. Um, you know, Chef might wander over and make a funny comment and then you'd laugh. Or he might quiz you and say, well, did you see what she did there? But generally, it wasn't a place to, you know, hobnob. And if Mm -hmm. you wanted to hobnob, you had to go into the barn. So it was basically, you know, watch, but keep your mouth shut. And not necessarily a bad program. (laughs) Exactly. But... But again, you could you could you could be at the barn every day, all day long. That was not an issue. But um, there was a a kind of politeness that you don't often see in American barns. And I think that's what struck me was that everybody was so respectful of everybody because you know nobody is riding alone. In, you know, in Europe, mostly at these barns, you got five or six horses going at the same time in a ring. Right. Um, everybody's very respectful, and there's not a lot of, of rail bird stuff. And, I mean, if there's gossip and stuff going on, it's, you know, way back in the stalls. It's not at the ring. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that... You know, American barns could bring, I don't know, you know, how you change our culture that much. But um, as owners, um, you know, be respectful of the other people riding Mm. and the challenges that they have. And if you've already had those challenges and you can identify with them. Um, But so often that it brings out sort of a negative Oh, do you see that horse? And da, 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 it doesn't have this, or she doesn't have that, or um, it brings out a not nice part of human nature. And what I really, one of the many things I learned in Holland was, if you don't have anything nice to say, zip it. Yeah, zip it and learn, because while you're talking, you're not learning. Yeah, that's a very good point. <clears throat> it's a very good point, but I think. Uh, I think this was this was such a, a, a good topic because I am certain that there are many people out there that wonder what is the best way uh, to try to find a decent you know place and uh, I would I would love to hear other recommendations um, from people too if any of the listeners um, want to post on our Facebook page because it's just such a um, it's it you know it's what fuels us it's what gets us uh, what what makes the the wheel go round is you know the the combination between uh trainer riders and uh um owners and uh it's i think it's the support staff yeah the nutritionist (laughs) barriers vets Mm -hmm. (laughs) chiropractors massage therapists yep well there you go well remind everybody what the facebook page is it's Healthy Critters Radio. Healthy Critters Radio. Radio. There we go. Because Facebook is so ginormous nowadays. If you don't get it, it right, is. you don't always find it. You know, that's kind that's of important. True. So just head on over to Healthy Critters Radio and like it, follow along, and, and post yep. on there, you know, what some of your experiences or something that helped you find or a tips. really good match. Or yeah. tips. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We'd love to hear about it. 
Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>